You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to be back this week. Um, I hope that you guys have been okay with the every other week release schedule. Um, It's been way better for us. Yes. Um, I feel like if we were doing every week, I would have gone crazy. Oh my gosh, it's too much. Like with moving and transitioning to a new city and everything that goes with it. I feel like it's a lot of work to do every single week. So this is perfect. Yeah, so much work. So um, John and I have been settling in. Um, It's been very exciting. A little bit of up and down emotions. Um, We'll talk about that on a later episode. But um, I have been waiting to tell Megan this story because... It is so embarrassing. I'm so um, excited. But I need to share it because I'm sure other people have had this happen. And I really want to like know what other people have done in this situation. <laughs> so I've been going to a new Pilates class that's by my house, which has been so nice. Um, is it never... so hard? It is, is challenging? so hard. So, so hard, but it's so good. Like it goes by so fast because you have to really pay attention because you're on a moving machine. Yeah. Um, So you're like constantly focused and like, you know, doing the different moves. And so it's very, very hard, but it goes by so fast. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I just burned 500 calories. It's amazing. Yeah. It seems so intense, but like calming at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is so nice there. Like everyone's so welcoming, made some Pilates friends um, that I see at different classes. So that's been really good. Um, So that's kind of setting the scene (laughs) for this story. So I'm at a Pilates class. It's probably, I've been going for a couple of weeks now. So it's like, like week two. Like, slowly getting comfortable with people, with the moves and everything. And mm-hmm. I've never had an issue with, <laughs> like, any leggings. Just, like, whatever color. It's never, like, I've never yeah. thought about it. Um, I, like, you know, don't really, like, sweat from my butt that you can, like, <laughs> see it through my leggings. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but on this particular day... <laughs> I was going about my business and Uh I was on the machine that was um, kind of in the front of the class facing the mirror. So if you picture a workout class, I'm in the front and like when you're facing the mirror, everyone behind me can see like the front of me because we're looking at a mirror. Um, So I'm like, you know, working out really hard and like pumped, you know, just getting it done and uh-huh. we turn, everyone turns to the mirror because we're doing, like, a side move. I yeah. turn, and I'm, like, 
look at so I'm wearing gray leggings. I'm looking at myself and I'm like, did I pee my pants? <laughs> <laughs> like what what is that so I'm, like, I'm like oh my god I'm sweating from my vagina like oh, what my god is it a heated class no it's not <laughs> and I'm like kind of sweaty everywhere else but like not like insane amount like this is like maybe 10 minutes into the class oh. and I'm like no this is never like I get that like the vagina gets hot like sure I guess there's sweat down there but it legit looked like I had peed my pants and I'm like what am I gonna do like I can't leave because I'm in the middle of the class I paid for this class so I just like go right yeah oh my gosh like people can see me I like have a sweaty vagina it looks like I peed my pants the gray is like accentuating this look it was just so tough it was so embarrassing so I continued to do the class the rest of the class I had a sweaty vagina (laughs) everyone probably saw and I legit I was like as soon as the class was done I was like gotta go Yeah, and proceeded to walk home the 10 minutes on Venice Boulevard, which is a very, very busy road. So everyone driving past also saw my sweaty vagina. (laughs) You know, I just feel like for, like, fitness classes are a place where, like, so many things can go wrong like that. You know, like, we've all been next to the person who's wearing, like, smelly workout clothes. We've all been next to people who just, like, fart during class. Yep. It's just, like, a struggle and a battle. So, you know what? I feel like out of everything, it's, like, not that offensive. It's just... (laughs) It's just you, you know, and if you owned it and went through class, I'm sure people were like, damn, she's like working out really hard. <laughs> I I hope they thought that. I hope they weren't like, oh, my gosh, like, did she get her period or did she like pee? <laughs> What's going on? Did her water break? Like, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope they were like, wow, she's a beast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like they definitely are. It's such a struggle. Uh, um, it really is. So how's your life? <laughs> well, speaking of struggles, Beck, so I know we've talked about this, but I'm doing No Spend November. Oh. Candace, who's been on the podcast, inspired me. And I was actually thinking about it. It's almost halfway through. So I was kind of reflecting on how I've been feeling. And I have done a really good job. The only... So to take a step back, I, um, like... I knew that realistically I wasn't going to not spend any money. So like for me, I'm still going out to dinner, not like crazy, but that's Mm -hmm. something that I could never cut out personally. Um, And then like drinks or coffee, like that's still on the table. But for me, I wanted to cut out spending money on clothes because I already have enough clothes. I don't need more. Um, And then like makeup jewelry like all the fun stuff that I spend (laughs) money on and more recently like home stuff because we've Uh, just been like 
going ham with that. So halfway through, I'm doing good. The only time I've spent money and I was so mad at myself, but I was in Chicago last week and I just forgot all my skincare. And (laughs) for anyone who knows me, like I, I can't not wash my face and like have a serum and moisturizer. So I, um, I got like a little travel set from Sephora. So that's been my big thing. And then today I got um, like a cheap serum because my skin is like cracking off my face. But mm. I feel like it's been so eye opening um, to just like really consider kind of like reset my spending habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely I do save a lot of money and I've I've made that change over the past year where I'm saving like the vast majority of one of my paychecks a month, which has been like a really crazy change for me personally. But I just was really, I was feeling a little bit out of control and I'm the I feel like I'm so all or nothing with most things that I just needed, um, a blank slate. So it's been, it's been a good empowering kind of a bummer at times, but like (laughs) not like it's, I don't know. I I have everything that I need, you know, so it's been been fine. That is amazing. I am like, I feel the same way right now. I feel like I have been out of control for the last (laughs) few months. Um, It's so hard when you like move to a new place and want to like do little things. I don't know. It's just so easy to be like, sure, why not? And right. then you look at your credit card bill and you're like, oh my God. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, these sales come up, like the Sephora sale just happened, which I don't know how you stayed away from that. Like that would be so <laughs> Well, hard. I mean, I did have to buy, I had to buy my, um, travel skincare set but I did get the 20 percent off good for that so it was it was worth it (laughs) but that was a necessity like I yeah I find myself like you know at the beginning of the week I'm like okay this week can be really good like I'm not gonna buy anything I don't need anything and then I got an email and it's like 30 percent off and I'm like well now I have to because next month it's gonna be more expensive so like I'm saving money and it's like no you're not saving money you're spending money (laughs) it's so and especially like with the holidays leading up I've gotten so many I've gotten so many catalogs I must like be like targeted I don't know if I like have clicked on these ads or what but I've gotten so many and I've been like I've made like a list so what I've been doing is like obviously not buying anything but if I really like something I'm putting it on a list and I feel like for me a lot of times it's like in the moment I want like like a pick me up mm-hmm. and if I go back later I'm like I don't need that like I'm fine so yeah. it's kind of taking that step of like putting some time in between seeing something and making a purchase and like if I still want it I'll usually get it um mm-hmm. obviously within reason but um yeah, it's, just, it's been good. And I feel like that has been something, too, that kind of ties in perfectly to this week's episode, mm-hmm. um, which, Beck, I am so excited to share this episode. Same. Like, I, ever since we recorded next, last, next week, last week we recorded, I have been <laughs> so excited to share 
I've talked to multiple people about this episode already. I'm like, you just wait until this episode comes out. <laughs> it is so good. And something that I feel like we've been getting questions about um, since the beginning. And we ourselves have had, you know, questions about it. But we yeah. weren't able to find the right person until this week. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so this week we have Ashley Perret of Own Your Worth. And she is um, a former HR director turned entrepreneur and she is a negotiation coach a salary coach and she is so amazing I feel like I learned a lot from her just honestly like sitting with her and seeing a how confident she is in her answers but the fact that she will take a pause and consider and like fully think out the question like everything Everything she shared and all the questions she answered, I think, were just so on point. Um, And I think for this episode in particular, it just ties back like a thousand percent to what we want to share on the podcast and what's real for most of our listeners, which is being in a corporate job and trying to navigate the murky waters of negotiating a salary raise and how to advocate for yourself. And just like, I don't know, it it was really eye-opening and also just inspiring. Like I feel ready to take on the world. Yeah, it was amazing. And we talk about going into an interview for a new job. We answer a ton um, of listener questions. So we um, ask for people to submit questions in our secret Facebook group. Um, And so we were able to answer those. And I am just so proud of this episode. Um, So I hope you all enjoy it. If you have any questions at all, um, we have Ashley's contact info in the show notes as well. Um, is at the end of the episode. So make sure you listen all the way through so you can get her information. Um, She has a really cool program coming up that she talks about. Um, So that's going to be, I think, helpful for a lot of people. Um, And yeah, we're so excited. And if you want a part two, please let us know. Um, We're leaning towards that, doing a part two, but please let us know if that's something you're interested in. Um, Yeah, we're just so excited for this. So thank you for listening. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this week. We're so excited to be back. Beck and I are back in action, I would say, after the move to LA. And we're so excited for this week's episode. It's been a long time in the making. Um, this week we have Ashley Perret of Own Your Worth, and um, she's an expert in all things negotiation, salaries. She's just the expert um, for all of us women in the working world, and she's a great resource. And this is a topic that we've really, really wanted to touch on for the podcast. I feel like both Beck and I have been in the position of working through salary negotiations and even trying to understand what we should be asking for and all of these things that are taboo subjects. And I think it's really important, especially as women, that we're talking about it openly um, and just having a really open and authentic dialogue. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. So, um, 
What we like to start with is just a little bit of your background. Mm -hmm. So I actually heard you speak. I um, work at Weber Shanwick, so part of the IPG network. Mm -hmm. And last year, I had actually just started at Weber, um, and I went to your event. So that was really cool. So that was my first introduction to you. I feel like I have background. But do you mind sharing with our listeners your story, how you ended up in the role you're at now, and all that Mm -hmm. good stuff? Yes. So... I'm so happy to hear that you were at that event. It was a great event. It was awesome. Um, I landed in human resources pretty quickly outside of college. So I got a, my undergraduate degree was in communications and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, but I did know I had student loans and I wanted to live in the city, um, either Boston or New York. And so mm-hmm. I took my very first job outside of school and I negotiated. Um, and that was really my first lesson in negotiation because I had been working internships and for whatever reason I decided because I have more experience, I wanted to now earn more now that I have my degree. Um, and so I, I negotiated uh, with my first company. Uh, they offered me $15 an hour and I asked for $16 an hour and they met me in the middle with fifteen fifty. dollars <laughs> nice. So that, that was my <laughs> first lesson in negotiation. Um, and I negotiated directly with HR and not long after joining that company, I had built a relationship with the HR director and that's how I kind of landed in human resources. Mm-hmm. And so I built a successful career in HR and I had what I thought was my dream job at one point working in New York City and uh, supporting a global workforce. Um, but ultimately, through my own failed negotiation at uh, that time in my career, I realized that this was a topic I was really, really passionate about, and I decided Mm -hmm. to start my own business. So Own Your Worth was born really out of me just being super passionate about sharing my HR insider knowledge with employees, with managers, to really kind of bridge this gap Mm -hmm. uh, between the employee experience and the employer experience. So I figured if I had my own struggles growing my corporate career and I was in HR and I had access to the leadership team and I had access to salary data that I knew other women and minorities must have been having a difficult time as well. So I started teaching salary negotiation workshops and from there um, my business has just organically grown and I'm so, so thrilled and really feel lucky to be doing all this work yeah, to make an impact. Awesome. So what I would love to get into is so I know you do a whole workshop on this, but I'm curious if you kind of have so for anyone, um, you know, interviewing for a new job. I think I'd like to start with interviewing for a new job because I know most of our listeners yeah, are yeah. kind of past their first job. Mm-hmm. They're maybe thinking about making a move to um, a similar company. I'm really curious, and one question that came up from um, our listeners, which I think is fantastic, is how do you answer the question if you're interviewing, you know, what is your salary requirement? Mm -hmm. And how do you even begin to develop in your mind, like what you are worth, aside from what you're currently being paid? (laughs) This is a biggie. We're diving right in. Like, ring the bells. (laughs) So I'll tackle the first part first and then remind me of the second piece. Um, Yes. So that question, what 
tell me, right, if the recruiter asks or hiring manager or HR, whoever it might be, and they're asking you as the candidate to share your salary expectations or salary requirements, um, I do want to say that in Massachusetts and San Francisco, I believe New York, um, certain cities and states around the country have recently, luckily, made it uh, illegal for employers to ask you oh. your current salary. Um, so wherever you are listening, check with your local state uh, and or city um, requirements in terms of equal pay, because there has been some legislation passed to help prevent companies from paying you based on your current salary. Mm-hmm. Because it is irrelevant. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. What you are currently earning is not relevant at all to what you could be earning in a new role with a new title with a new set of job mm-hmm. uh, requirements. So I'll put that out there. Um, so really, I think there are two strategies that I recommend that you can use as a candidate. So if you've done a lot of market research, if you've talked with peers in your, in your field and in your industry, if you know maybe what coworkers are earning, um, if you've been able to look at websites like, you know, payscale.com or salary.com, even LinkedIn has a reporting tool now. If you are confident you want to earn between $100,000 and $110,000 for your job, mm-hmm. then one strategy you can use is to share it. Mm-hmm. So you can just say straight out to the recruiter, based on my understanding of the market and research, uh, I'm looking to be paid between $100,000 and $110,000. Mm-hmm. Is that within your budget? So in negotiation, it's often t- said that whoever states the number first, quote unquote, wins. Mm-hmm. Because in that case, you're anchoring, right? You're... Yep requirement and the company can either say okay great you know they might say that's a little bit above our range Mm -hmm. but i'll push you forward in the interview process and you'll know from the beginning that okay they know what my range is Mm -hmm. um so one strategy i really encourage listeners to use is just state what you're looking for because Mm -hmm. from the employer side they won't know unless you tell them Mm -hmm. what you want now the other side to that is if it's the first phone interview, mm-hmm. like it really, and I've written a blog about this because it really irks me that companies are using salary requirements to, to just weed, people weed out, out the candidates. Yeah. yeah. Right. So if it's the first interview, you can absolutely deflect and just say, um, you know, I really appreciate that question, but at this point I don't have any or enough uh, background information or understanding of the mm-hmm. role and requirements. So I'd be happy to uh, bridge this topic again if we get closer to the offer letter stage. Mm. That's a great answer. I know. I'm like trying. I'm going to write that down when I listen back to this. <laughs> like episode. so simple, but I've never thought of that before. Because you feel so put on the spot, I feel like. And as a people pleaser, mm. you want to have an answer. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You want to have like the right answer. And yeah. And I feel like I, and probably a lot of people too, might under sh- like uh, shoot under mm-hmm. what you actually want just in hopes of getting past yeah. that first round. Yes. So if you do have a tendency to sell, you, sell yourself short yeah. or 
if you haven't practiced your number out loud, then <laughs> definitely deflect. Because if you're the person that feels like, oh, you're not confident enough to state your number, then yeah. yes, don't undersell yourself and just say, you know what, I'm not comfortable or sharing or I haven't had time to do my research yet. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, some recruiters may be really pushy, but you can also say, you know, I... I'm not ready and willing to share that. If it's a requirement for me to move Mm -hmm. forward, then I understand, right? So it's about owning your worth from the beginning and being able to say, Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable with what you said about wanting the right answer. That's where, like, there is no right answer. It's only what works for you right? and what you say yes to, you accept. Right. Yeah. Wow. So profound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I mean, that was something that I definitely struggled with when I interviewed for the job that I'm at now. And I also feel like there was a, I went through recruiter and there was definitely like boundaries set by the recruiter, like, oh, you know, the range is this, but like, I really want you to interview for this job and they'll probably offer more, but they're saying that the range is this. So like, don't talk about salary. And so, like, how, what would, what advice would you give for that situation? It's, it, I probably should have gone to a different recruiter, but <laughs> if you find, if you find yourself in that situation, like, is that something that, you know, happens often? Do they put out ranges and then, you know, is it possible to get more than that? How does that usually work? Yeah. So my rule of thumb is everything is negotiable. And at the end of the day, you get to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. So if, again, when you'd have to talk about salary from the very, very beginning, it makes it frustrating for you as a candidate because you don't even know if you want to work there. Yeah. But yet you feel as if you're being held accountable to whatever number you say. So I like to just tell everyone that there's no hole you can't dig yourself out of. So even if you were to lowball yourself from the beginning, When it comes to that final offer stage, you have every right to say, you know what, the more I learned about this position, Mm -hmm. the more research I was able to do, the more I've interviewed with other companies, I'm actually looking for between Mm -hmm. X and Y. um, And I'm hoping, right, that Mm -hmm. this, it will be within the company's budget to be able to make me a competitive and fair offer. Mm-hmm. So you can <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> you can always change your tune if that's yeah. the case. Um, but from the recruiter side, so actually the work I do with On Your Worth is, you know, coaching clients one on one through negotiations. But I also still work with employers, helping them, you know, develop their female talent, develop new leaders, coaching with CEOs about um, how to have tough, effective conversations with employers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've recently, uh, I'm doing a a recruiting search of my own to help fill an HR manager position. Mm. And when you have a recruiter that, so this is the thing, companies will probably tell the recruiters, here's a budget. Mm -hmm. This is what I have to work with. But at the end of the day, they are looking for the best candidate. Mm -hmm. And often the company doesn't know what they will get, what type of candidate they'll get with a certain budget. Mm -hmm. So from a recruiter perspective, they want to give you a, "Mm, this is probably the budget because that's what the company has said to them. But then they also want to present the best candidates because the recruiter is getting paid almost always, right, a a commission when they make that sale. Mm -hmm. So there's no... 
<laughs> there's no great answer here in that you have to be your best advocate and even a bigger advocate if you're working with a recruiter. Mm-hmm. Because if they're going to uh, negotiate for you on your behalf, you want to make sure that you trust them. Yeah. So you can always ask the recruiter, look, I'm looking for 100 to 110,000. If this is really outside of their range, maybe it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me it's negotiable, then uh, let's discuss salary again at the offer letter stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as a follow-up, um, sh- so is it something you should do like should you give a range to the employer so I've heard in the past like you shouldn't give a range because they'll always go with the lowest amount um but I know you've mentioned a range quite a bit so is there a reasoning behind that yeah so if you give your range and it's again you have to have done your research and feel good about it because again Mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong answer Mm -hmm. it's what are you willing to say yes to so if you would feel motivated and excited to earn between 100 and 110,000, um, what I share in terms of like setting your range is that you put your ideal base salary at the bottom of the range, yeah, and then you increase your mm-hmm. range 10 to 20 percent from there to ensure okay. that okay. you hopefully get that right 100k mm-hmm. at least, yeah, as an example, um, yeah. The you can find studies that you know if you don't say a number you end up getting more. But I think more that that was, that was older research um, in my mind. And again, from the employer and HR side, the differences I would see between men and women negotiating were that mm-hmm. men would say this is what I need to earn mm-hmm. in order to be able to work here, mm-hmm. and we as the managers would figure out yeah. how to make the budget work to hire that person if they were the top candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if a woman says, you know what, I'm negotiable, um, then you have to let the employer know what you're looking for. Otherwise, yeah. they're just guessing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it becomes this like uncomfortable standoff because I do do some negotiation for clients uh, in my job, but it's this awkward standoff of no one is going <laughs> to say a number. So you just keep going back and forth and yeah. eventually someone has to say something. Um <laughs> I'm curious, so just hearing about the discrepancy you mentioned between men and women, mm-hmm. how did your, so I know you touched on super early on, 1550 was yes. what you arrived at, but how, so obviously you know all the ins and outs now, mm-hmm. but how was your experience in the corporate world negotiating? Were you always confident? Did you have to build it? What, what did that look like? Yeah, so I think I... I became less confident as my career grew because <laughs> in that imposter syndrome and right. also just the risk felt higher. The consequences yeah. felt real. Right. And leaving college, I had no idea what it was like to work in the real world. I remember my first day on the job, um, guys were throwing football, a football around the office. And I was like, this is work. Like the, the <laughs> what I envisioned work to be as adults was very, very different than yeah. what it turned out to be. And so... You know, when I negotiated my first job, I didn't really think about it. It was really just, I have more experience and I have a degree, so I want to make more than I earned in my internship. Yeah. Um, but as I grew early on in my career, I worked in startups. And so I was reporting to and or working with CEOs and CFOs mm-hmm. early on. Um, and so I did a lot of self-advocating, but usually... It was really emotional for me. One of my first negotiations with um, one of my male bosses, I cried. Um, 
Like it was just mm-hmm. the more I felt like I had to stand up for myself, the harder it became. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was difficult. I think because I felt as if, um, again, there was more potential consequences. I worried more about what my boss might think of me mm-hmm. or um, what was the right amount to be asking for. But again, I had salary access. I could see everyone else's data. Oh, that's such a different, yeah. And that's so the, the one side of that was like, oh, if this person's earning that much money, then I know I can make that someday. So that was yeah. really great. But at the same time, I was like, hmm, I'm doing, you know, all of this work and this person's making more than me. Uh-huh. So it it put me, I think, early on in my career in this position where I didn't know what was right. Um, yeah. But the more HR experience I I got and the more I advocated for other people, mm-hmm. it was eventually I came back to, you know, what? if I'm not doing this for myself, I just tell and I see this with my clients, too, like we're are working hard and keeping your head down unfortunately, in the corporate world Mm -hmm. is not enough. Mm -hmm. So I had a very complicated relationship with it for myself. And that's why understanding the emotional component of feeling worthy, feeling how deeply money is connected to our self-worth, not in our our society, and especially as women, um, Mm -hmm. that's the work I do now is really addressing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Beck. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like that really resonated with me. I feel like most people where we're working in these large corporate firms or offices are really high achieving. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point that hard work really is obviously amazing, but it does only get you so far. And I feel like especially as women, I've found that I have to like, not shout it from the rooftops, but continually (laughs) remind managers or people that I'm talking with exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and why I think I'm doing a good job. And that's really hard for me emotionally Mm -hmm. because I'm, I hate talking about myself (laughs) and like giving myself a pat on the back. Um, But I actually wanted to go back and this is not related to budgeting, but you mentioned crying in one of your first meetings. And I'm curious because I think that these conversations can can definitely be very emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. As a crier, sometimes myself, mm-hmm. Same. I have to like physically pinch. <laughs> like I've had to pinch <laughs> myself. I've had to just excuse myself, come back. Yeah. What do you think are good strategies in that situation? Um, mm-hmm. If you feel like that's going to happen, do you let it happen? Do you leave? <laughs> like what, what do you think the best thing is? So first and foremost is just to acknowledge right? <laughs> and, and to be kind with yourself because being emotional is being a human being. Yeah. Right. And men have emotions too. It's just, they may show them in a different way. So yeah. I think caring about what you do mm-hmm. and the work that you do, it just shows in terms of, um, right. Becoming emotional. But if you, yeah. if you know that, self-advocating brings up a lot of feelings for you. Um, I definitely recommend trying to get to the root cause of why. Yeah. So a lot of work I'll do with my clients is helping them prepare for the conversation, right? Whether they're looking Mm -hmm. for a new job or asking for a raise, the preparation piece is not only about writing a script or figuring out your 
salary range. It's really dealing with the fears mm-hmm. and the emotions and um, why it's difficult for you to, yeah. to pat yourself on the back. Right? Yeah. And often yeah. it goes against how we're raised as women or little mm-hmm. girls and what we're told to be right yeah. in our world. Um, so what you said was great, right? If you need, if you actually become emotional in a meeting, asking for some time or asking for some space and I'm going to say it, ladies and men do not apologize for being emotional. Yeah. Right. Just say, thank you so much for understanding. I need a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Versus saying, I'm so sorry because you're allowed to feel the way you're allowed to feel. And from the employer side, they like, it should be a sign to them that you really care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we often beat ourselves up much worse than what the other person across the table is probably thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, To the emotional side of things. So I just went through um, a salary negotiation and it turned out very well. Uh, Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) But but I had the story that I was telling myself that if I asked for a certain amount of money, then they would think that I only cared about money and not act like the actual job. Uh-huh. And I don't know where it came from, but it was like this, like, it was like having the a devil and God on my shoulders. Like the devil <laughs> was like, they're going to think all you care about is money. They're going to think you're so self-centered and you don't care about this company and blah, 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 blah. And I had this feeling constantly I didn't know how to get rid of it and I tried to tell myself like no I'm worth this much this amount of money like I've done my research I've done everything that I'm supposed to do and this is legit what I'm asking for but it still was there um Mm -hmm. so I'm curious if you've ever coached someone through that or if you've had that experience yourself yes and yes (laughs) (laughs) So that, that is what I call the deep coaching work of owning your worth, right? That's where this all stems from, truly. Um, when you're aware of those self-limiting beliefs or mm-hmm. those mean voices or right inner voices, whatever you want to call them. So you can never get rid of all of them, but it's where do you take action from, right? Is it a mm-hmm. place of confidence and still you're you're a little nervous or do you listen to that voice, right? That's saying, don't do that because it's going to mean you're, mm-hmm. you know, greedy or you're only thinking about money. So kudos to you, Becky, for going for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to, to coach you on that topic, you said you don't know where it came from, right? You, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would ask you to think about, right, is, is that your belief? Like, do you really believe people who have money are only working for the money. Like, what do you believe about people that have whatever amount of money you are asking for? Um, I think that they probably deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? So you have these beliefs, you're not sure where they came from, but if we were to do coaching work around this, right, it would, you either saw something, experienced something, or were told something by... Mm someone at some point in your life where you were modeled something and you just created what you called right a story about if I ask for money it Mm -hmm. means this about me Mm -hmm. right but the cool thing is is if you get to figure out where that comes from whether it's from the way you were raised or your parents or Mm -hmm. a bad experience at work one time you get to like rewrite your story and say you know what I am worthy I am valuable Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go for it 
Totally. Yeah, I definitely have an inkling of where that comes from, but we won't get into that on <laughs> today. Yeah. yeah. No, and I think that's a perfect lead into what I'm thinking about, just that money is so taboo. Mm-hmm. And like, also how you grow up, I feel like is how you internalize mm-hmm. how to see money in this world. Yes. And... I have definitely struggled with that. Um, And I feel like my parents personally just never talked about it. Mm -hmm. That was such a taboo thing. We weren't, we would never discuss it in our house, but like no one, none of our friends or family, anything like that. Um, And I think that it's interesting that even in today's world, it still feels very Mm -hmm. taboo. Um, So as far as talking about it, maybe we'll start in the work setting. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that, discussing Mm -hmm. it with your peers? I feel like obviously people above you usually do know what you make Mm -hmm. um, if if you report to them. But do you think it's fair to discuss it with coworkers? Yeah, absolutely. I think the taboo piece of it is you're now even tapping into why you personally become emotional right because you you learned it was not okay to talk about money or that's just not what you do right and so if you I always suggest that you start with people that you trust Mm -hmm. either in your company or if you don't feel comfortable asking your peers in your company then LinkedIn is is an amazing resource to reach out to people with your job title Mm. somewhere else um, and just say, hey, I'm I'm doing some market research. It's important to me that I'm paid fairly and competitively for my contribution. Mm-hmm. I know this is an uncomfortable topic for many of us, but would you be willing to share um, what your compensation package looks like? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm using this as information to help me in my career development. Yeah. Or you could say, I'm thinking about asking for right a $20,000 raise that's going to put me somewhere around $110,000. Mm-hmm. Um, is that around what you, you're earning for your work in this role? Mm-hmm. So the best resources that we have are peop- real people in real jobs. Yeah. Um, and it's not for you to go back to the employer and then say, hey, so-and-so told me they're making more than me. Like, pay me more. Right. right? That's obviously not the best approach. Yeah. Um, you may feel that way, mm-hmm. but then that's when we get back into the emotional side of this. Right. Um, but it's information for you to then build a strong case where you feel grounded. Yeah. Where you feel confident that, hey, I'm going to ask for this number. No matter what the company says, I know mm-hmm. that other people like me are earning this. So it's yeah. possible for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to, that's the tough part is I feel like once you're armed with knowledge, you're kind of like, uh, but I can't say, but this person's making yeah. that, you know, so yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like you want to make sure that you obviously aren't calling someone out, mm-hmm. but you have that knowledge. Yeah, it's about, listen, you can give your company any and every reason you want. Like, you can ask for whatever you want. <laughs> like, truly. <laughs> like, we we put limitations and glass ceilings over our own heads, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ask HR, hey, can you tell me the salary band for the position that I'm in? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where my current salary falls within our salary band for my level? 
Mm. Um, you can ask, you know, why did you decide to offer me this amount of money? Can you give me a little bit more information about your pay philosophy within your company? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're considering a new job, but this is why I'm so passionate about what I do because either we've learned how not to be at work mm-hmm. versus learning like that there's information available to us all the time. All we have yeah. to do is just ask. Yeah. And if somebody else gets annoyed or if they're rude or right, if there are real negative consequences, then that's more about them and their stuff and their response than yeah. what you did. Right. It's not about you doing something wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I think it's so important. I, I've noticed too, just in my experience, that a lot of times that secrecy about, you know, the pay philosophy comes from um, leadership or people who have been there for years and years. Yes. And I think it's important that people know that it doesn't have to always be that way. Yes, 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 yes. Because, you know, as employees, we can do our part by holding employers accountable. Mm-hmm. And also, right, my hope is, you know, some of my clients are also managers or leaders or even mm-hmm. CEOs. So the you will become at some point, right, an, an, a people manager if mm-hmm. you continue growing your career. So it's about learning, you know, these lessons and the understanding how it is to be on both sides because we're all people at work. But mm-hmm. leadership again, it, it tells you a lot about the culture of the organization and your, your future there, right? What it could mm-hmm. look like for you to grow your career. Um, mm-hmm. If there is that secrecy, usually it's because top leadership or the employers or even HR are just, they're afraid of what could happen, right? If they were more mm-hmm. transparent. And that's the that gap that I mentioned earlier between like the employer and the employee, like Mm -hmm. everyone just wants to, it's not even about being fair. It's just about understanding like how the process works because I don't know about you ladies, but for me, every time I've asked for something, even if I heard no, I always felt way better. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Than if I had never asked at all. Yeah. Because it's not about getting everything you ask for. It's about understanding if the reasons no, why? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like as a person, like in life in general, I have to understand why or it doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And everywhere I've worked, it's like shrouded in secrecy. And I don't know. I feel like to your point, though, it really does hold people accountable Mm -hmm. when you actually ask. And I think so many people don't ever even ask because maybe they don't feel like they can or you know, there's a precedent that people don't, but that's important to just arm yourself with the Mm -hmm. fact that you can literally always ask. Yeah. Because, you know, one of my big fears when I wasn't asking was that I was like, it was a fear of hearing no. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's always possible, right? You can, I mean, this goes for negotiating your rent or everything, Mm -hmm. right? You, you, we hear no, no all the time, but we give, more meaning to know when it comes to like our career or our paycheck or like we end up making it mean something about us Mm -hmm. versus it just being like this company or this person isn't willing to say yes to what I just asked for. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That kind of transitions well into um, another listener question that we got. So this goes past um, salary negotiations, just but just being somewhere. Um, so this person uh, is working somewhere and they're not super clear what the policy is on working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want some advice on how to negotiate that, how to bring up that topic of working from home as part of their compensation package. Do you know if they're already employed or if they're considering the job? They're already employed. Already employed. Okay. Um, so if there is no formal policy, right, my, the first thing that comes to mind for me is do other people have that benefit? Um, but working from home is one of the big things that, that people are wanting to negotiate for mm-hmm. now. Um, so from the employer side, many companies, depending on the field you're in or the industry, will have a policy. If they don't, then it's usually up to the manager mm-hmm. to make that decision. So my recommendation mm-hmm. is to. So is this? Go ahead. Oh, oh no! Did we lose her? Oh, are you there? Yeah, you're back. Okay, sorry, I lost you for a second. Um, can you start that answer again? Um, I forget where we even were. To be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you heard I was gonna say my recommendation but I don't I don't know if you have more information about um oh yeah we were yeah the last thing that I heard was um was usually there's a policy in place but if not and then it cut off okay so if there's not a policy in place already about working from home then typically the employee right can just negotiate this with their manager mm-hmm. meaning so as an example like if employees would ask me for more vacation time, right? When they were mm-hmm. trying to negotiate a new job offer from an HR standpoint, I would say our policy is three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what everybody gets. Um, but if you were to work out, you know, something with your manager mm-hmm. kind of off the books, yeah, then that's between you and your manager. So like my philosophy from an HR perspective is I want to empower managers to manage their team. So mm-hmm. if a manager sees it's appropriate for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, and obviously this is where we have to be careful about treating people fairly, uh, meaning mm-hmm. not, yeah. not one person only can get this benefit. So I think the question about working from home in general really becomes how does it benefit the company? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why are you asking for it? In terms of, you don't have to share your, all your personal stuff or personal reasons, but why would that help you stay motivated, stay committed, and really be excited about doing your job? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sharing a little bit about, you know, if it's a commute issue or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, because at the end of the day, this manager is not going to want to lose your employee, you know, this, the listener, right? Mm-hmm. If she's a great or he's a great employee, then the manager is going to want to understand, um, well, where is this coming from and why? Mm-hmm. And let me see if I can support you. So yeah. I think it's about asking and building that trust with the manager to say, this is why it'd be really important for me. Mm-hmm. This is uh, what I'm going to commit to. This is what you can expect from me going forward if we make this arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that would be possible? Can we try it for three months to mm-hmm. see how it goes? Yeah. Um, so I don't even see that as really a negotiation. It's kind yeah. of like you're just creating 
your, deeper relationship with your boss and, yeah. and setting the agreements about how you will work. Um, yeah. Now, if the culture, if there's like no work from home and you're setting the precedent, you might right. have a longer uphill battle. Yeah. Um, but again, it's about certain cultures have this fear that people work less when they work 100%. from home. A hundred percent. And that's the opposite. <laughs> nothing irks me more. I'm like, if anything, I'm online earlier, yes. working longer, yes. more efficiently, because I'm not chatting with every single yes. person. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I can get like really fired up about like antiquated (laughs) view that we can't work if we're not all together obviously certain times you need to be with your team and if you're working working like all week remotely that probably doesn't work very well but a day to get your shit together Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah I don't know it's it makes you appreciate working at the company yes. more. It makes you, I think, better. It's like, it just, we all need more time to, to be able to do strategic, like, content, be creative, be yeah. innovative. And um, I would say, too, that, you know, if you are asking for or negotiating flexibility, like, I don't really see that as a huge benefit to you like the employer is also getting something Mm -hmm. which means they're getting you as a happier employee yeah so I'll just tell that listener that if they think they're underpaid or if they want something else like they can ask for both like don't if if they're granted if you will have the ability to work from home it doesn't mean you have to suck up you know Mm -hmm. other ways that might not be working for you Mm -hmm. um because it's about it's about you at the end of the day. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I feel like at the first job I was at, it was crazy. We would work 90 hour week. I used to work in finance, uh, no more. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I felt so guilty if I would take a day to work from home. Yeah. And I've really had to train myself. Like, this is just how... <laughs> a normal person would be like, I don't feel well, I'm going to work from home, end of story. And it's also one of those situations where I would never judge someone. But it's interesting when you work in the mentality, like you need to drag yourself to work on three hours of sleep. I feel like it becomes so warped that you feel guilty about just like functioning (laughs) at your highest yeah, I mean, capacity. We, we get our view of the work world from right, our very first experiences at work. So if you were in one of those organizations that valued FaceTime, that valued mm-hmm. 90-hour weeks, that right, that, then, of course, you have that right feeling yeah. of guilt. But that's where, as a job interviewee, it really is your job to interview the company mm-hmm. to really understand if it's a place and a culture that you're going to thrive in, that you'll be yeah. successful because, um, you know, every company is different and every company runs on different values, but you don't have to subject yourself to torture. Yes, torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're much more efficient than we give ourselves credit for. <laughs> totally. I'm looking at our list back. Did we have any other listener questions? I know we're coming up on, I can't believe yes. it's almost been an hour. Oh no, I, I know. The, I just looked at the clock as well. I was like, no. Um, <laughs> we, we could pick your brain for honestly many more hours. But yeah. So we have one more question um, that I do want to address because I feel like it's an important one. So going back to interviewing. So the question is, what's the best way to frame a gap in employment um, or how can you best address a gap? 
Hmm. Good question. So without knowing what that gap really is, um, my thoughts here are always to be as honest as possible with it, without sharing stuff that you're not comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm. So you can, so whether you were became a mom or and you took time off and you want to go back into the workforce, whether it was a medical reason, whether it was like literally burnout and you were like, I can't take mm-hmm. this anymore. Yeah. Um, no matter the reason, right, for you, knowing that you gave yourself permission to do that, first of all, is really brave and courageous. Yeah. Um, and taking that back into the interview process to say, you know what, I had some personal situations or thing or something came up. Um, it unfortunately required my full attention. But the reason I'm right back on the market is because I am looking for and ready and willing to right, do blah, blah, blah. So this is about framing it, first of all, being kind to yourself and then framing it like you haven't lost anything. You still have all of your experiences, all of your background, (laughs) all of your education. It does not mean you have to accept less just because you needed to leave the workforce at any point. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you are fired, if you feel comfortable sharing that, right, things didn't work out and you had to leave the organization unexpectedly, um, you can say that. You can say, you know, it didn't work out and what I'm looking for now is, right, a company or a job that has blah, 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 or that will Mm -hmm. enable me to do X, Y, and Z. So the more... I guess it's honesty is the best policy in terms of you don't have to share all of your personal information, but Mm -hmm. you can frame it in a way that says, I'm still capable. I'm still, I know I can do this job because I have all this great experience Mm -hmm. and this is what I'm looking for next. So if you're clear and if you're confident, Mm -hmm. then the employer is going to be way more willing to, um, like they understand at the end of the day, again, we're all people. Mm-hmm. But it's when a candidate either doesn't give a real answer or they feel like the candidate is avoiding the question. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into that, like if you're feeling awful about it, um, you know, what I'm trying to say is the if you can get a great answer mm-hmm. and story around your reasoning. Yeah. Employer is going to be more likely and willing to understand than if you try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. It just paints like the worst case scenario yeah. picture yeah. in the employer's mind. Yeah. And one yeah. thing that comes to mind that I do feel like people are talking about more, but it is such a problem with burnout and with just our world today is like depression and mental yes. health. I I can't imagine trying to a a, deal with that, go through it and then try to answer why you took a break. You know what I mean? So for things like that, yeah, I don't want to seem like you're dodging, but. And so this is again, where we as employees get to change the the story around this and change the dynamic because so many people stay in the workforce too long, which costs them their health or their, right. Mm -hmm. And that's not good for anybody either. So it's again about finding that balance. And when, when you're feeling good about yourself, putting yourself back in the market, like, look, you are the talent companies need you to operate, to make their money, to meet their revenue goals. So we really do have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for in Mm -hmm. the workforce. And Again, your skills don't go anywhere. It's just 
your yeah. confidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you don't delete your whole resume because, you know, and yeah. that's like, that's what I feel like it is. These gaps. Yeah. It's like, and why were right. there a gap? Yeah. I feel like it's, at least I have this issue sometimes is forgetting that like my managers or leadership are also people and they've lived lives as well. And more than likely they've experienced some of the same things you have. And I feel like so often um, we put them on a pedestal, like, oh my gosh, they've had a perfect career and they've done all of these things and they would never understand if I were to bring this up. But it's like, Mm -hmm. no, they probably do, but you just need to, you know, have the confidence in yourself to talk about it and be open. Yes. And that's a a really great, um, a really great point because I've been in many interviews with managers where a candidate would either say, I took time off to travel the world because it was a dream of mine, Mm -hmm. or I took time off to care for my mother who had cancer. That is a human experience that the manager can also relate to and say, oh, I did that 10 years ago when I wanted to travel the world. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I meant about being, you know, honest, but also just clear that that's what you needed at that time. And Mm -hmm. again, you don't have to share your medical history, of course, but everyone has a story. Everyone has a relationship with money Mm -hmm. and it's, you're going to feel much more excited about joining a company when you've been able to tell, Mm -hmm. you know, a version of the truth and And be authentic and who you actually are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'll be accepted. Yes. Or that fear hanging over you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What a Um, so just to, um, finish things off, cause we are all, almost at an hour, which is crazy. Maybe we'll have to do a part two with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. but where can people find you? I know, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to work with you after listening to this. So how can they find you? How can they work with you? What do you have coming up? Yes. So reaching out to me directly via my website is the best way to reach me. My email's there. Um, I have a lot of free resources and interview guides. So my website's, uh, ownyourworth.com and my email is ashley at ownyourworth.com and I do have an exciting um, update that I'm launching a Own Your Worth, a new product, um, a program called The Negotiator Ooh. in early 2020. So it's going to be um, basically all of my HR insider knowledge on both asking for a raise and a promotion and negotiating new job offers, but it's going to be a six-week self-study uh, course with a bunch of videos and webinars and ebooks. So that will be coming oh. out in early 2020. Um, so listeners can head over to my website to get updates there. And I'd love to connect um, with anyone who wants to reach out. Always happy to, to connect with listeners. So exciting. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see this business um, just take off and for more women to learn about you and work with you um, and really feel the empowerment. I feel like I'm like, if I didn't just go through negotiation, I'd be ready to go through one right now. <laughs> I know. Uh, you, I'm always here, whether it's negotiating or just even like having a tough conversation at work or... Mm-hmm thinking about what's next for you in your life and your career and just it's really you know owning our worth comes it's not not just about money it's really Mm -hmm. about just living our best lives living into our full potential so 
uh, yeah, congrats again, Becky, on your, your raise. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, let that remember you're worth it. You deserve it. You've earned it and yeah, you don't have to do, do. more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, as always, you can find us at D talks until podcast.com on instagram um go join our secret facebook group that's where we pulled our listeners today to get all these amazing questions so if you want to be a part of our episodes in the future go check out that and join in the fun thank you so much ashley you're amazing um meg am i missing anything i think that's it thank you <laughs> perfect <laughs>